alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the... 49th annual subliminal deception podcast your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit my name is cody and i'm joined by my pal phil how are you doing good cody how about yourself not doing too bad actually um i know you're probably not up to date on the uh, minnesota weather report but for the past not the past two days but the days before that it was almost 40 to 40 degrees out i didn't have to wear a jacket i was uh it was insane Uh, that's great I'm assuming you've been wearing shorts and a uh, no jacket for quite a while now. I did wear shorts today, but I wear a sweater in the mornings because it is still a little bit chilly in the mornings. <laughs> it got up to, uh, I think it got up to about 80 today so Ugh. in the you afternoon. Know, it's funny because like we're teetering on that like winter's over part, but I know it's going to be like, okay, so this upcoming weekend is supposed to be uh, almost in the 50s, right? Which will probably mm-hmm. get rid of most of the snow, but you know, in March there's gonna be like one or two times it's just gonna be an insane blizzard. I just winter doesn't die without a fight. Yeah, I know. Uh, we're uh, like we're heading into spring right now, and all of those little like all the pollen and shits in the air. So my contacts have been just going fucking insane on me. I actually had to drive home yesterday. Uh, my contacts were basically rolling around in my eyes. Like, I'm surprised I didn't get in a fucking car accident. <laughs> it's pretty scary, but... So, uh, what's what's new in your neck of the woods, Phil? Uh, not much. Um, let's see, took my car in to get the oil changed. They, of course, told me that I needed about $700 worth of repairs. Yeah, that's, so, uh, always trying to upsell you there. Yeah, well, they sent me a text message telling me, uh, basically I thought it was telling me that my car was ready. Like I didn't read the whole thing. If I would have read the whole thing, they actually wanted me to call them about my car so that they could just go ahead and start working on it. But instead I just went straight there and the guy was kind of surprised because he wanted to tell me over the phone so that he could just get me to agree to do whatever he wanted. So <laughs> was this like a Jiffy loop or something? No, it's a little mom and pop. The good thing about it is he never like if I take it to a Midas and they want to like change out my brakes, they'll basically like try to hold my car hostage. But at least this guy <laughs> lets me take it home. So uh, you don't get a ransom note from this guy. Yeah. Or a fucking it feels like a gun's held to your head sometimes <laughs> with the big chains. It's funny because like I'm to the point now where I really need to change my car's oil. And because it's a German car, like. If I go, I know if I go to a shop, it's going to be like a hundred dollars. So I'm trying to do it in the garage here, which I've done before, but it's like too cold to be out laying on the cement floor right now. So it's kind of like I have to wait till it warms up just a little bit more. You can't just take it back home. I mean, I could, but why would I, I don't really want to go to Iowa right now. Oh yeah, that's true. (laughs) You know, (laughs) never uh, a good idea. You know, it's funny. uh, Adam from Bumblebutt was actually 
asking about you last like hey when's uh when's phil gonna come back you know we should record together or whatever and i was like i don't know if he has a reason to come back here anymore <laughs> <laughs> like I, I you know visiting me or whatever your sister or whatnot but i'm like i don't know if he has much other reason to come here besides that he's in uh paradise right now well yeah i'm coming uh I'm going actually to Emmitsburg for St. Patty's, so oh shit, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing that, but that's nowhere near St. Paul. So can you just fly into Emmitsburg? Away. No, we have to fly <laughs> out into Sioux Falls, so it's about two and a half hours trip just Ooh. to get to the small town of Emmitsburg. So <laughs> I didn't yeah. really figure that Emmitsburg had an international airport. No, no, they don't. <laughs> All right, well, should we get on to the hot sheets here, Phil? Um, yeah, I know every, everybody's dying for Madam Bennett's World of the Unusual. Um, so let's start with something that's maybe a little relevant to uh, the conspiracy world. Uh, it's titled Bull Killed by Laser Beam. So uh, already this is sweet. Uh, yeah. Rancher Bill Heath uh, believes one of his best bulls was shot down by a laser beam, possibly from a UFO. I'd say the bull was killed for research, Heath of Laguna Vista, Texas said. A clean six-inch incision had been made in the side and the heart was missing. There were no jagged edges where the tissue had been sliced and no signs of blood. Everything seemed to have been seared. That bull was wild. No one could have walked up on him. I would have taken a helicopter to catch him out there. But the only tracks were his. It looked like he kicked once when he, with his left hind leg and flopped over on his left side. The hole in his body is at a 45 degree angle. Definitely the work of a laser beam. He says buzzards refused to touch the carcass and his pet dogs wouldn't get within 10 feet of it. In the past, Heath has lost other bulls which have been mutilated, then drained of blood. Now, the cattle mutilation things in aliens seems to be kind of a, a common thing, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, I, according to Mr. Heath here, uh, this bull was so wild that you couldn't even get up on her. You get fucking gored like a goddamn conquistador or whatever. So, maybe it was aliens. What do you think? I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if maybe insurance pays out a little more <laughs> if it was aliens who killed your cattle rather than uh, maybe a Wiccan community or a coven of some kind. What if they had a little checklist and they're like, okay, we got a dead cow. Sir, is the heart missing? Yep. All right. Extra 500. Is the blood missing? All right. There's 300. <laughs> like they have like extra insurance coverages depending on what uh, what's missing from the bull. I always love it how in those little, like, the details, they're always like, oh, it was, you know, it was, the incision was made perfectly, like, way too perfect to be any human-made object. It's like, what do you think people are cutting cow open with? Like a rock? <laughs> like, they're using scalpels. It's very precise. Well, apparently, uh, this was, uh, like, a really hot cut or whatever, so... Maybe they had like hmm. a plasma rifle or something they shot him with. I had. It was the master chief who got him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Phil, did you listen to uh, Bumblebutt Podcast last episode? About yes, Star I did. Okay, so uh, our next story is uh, including a Bigfoot. Hopefully, this isn't the same Bigfoot. Uh, what did she name him? John? Her lover was John Bigfoot, I think. Oh, that was in the spectrophilia. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
The lady yep. who is in love with Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, so this one's titled Huge Bigfoot Terrorizes Boy. Uh, Mike Lofton, 10, was playing outside his parents' remote trailer home when his puppy began to whine and tremble as if he was terrified of something. Young Mike looked towards the woods near his home at Crossette, Arizona, and gasped. Do you know where that is? Cross it? No. Hmm. Cre- is it Crescent? No, it's uh, C-R-O-S-S-E-T-T. I don't know. Never heard of it. <sighs> Probably in the fucking boonies somewhere. Anyway. Oh, yeah. One gas station. <laughs> one cop. Uh, approaching him was a creature about seven and a half feet tall and covered in thick hair. Its arms were extended overhead and from the ends of what appeared to be the creature's fingers, long claws glinted in the sun. The young boy says he ran into the house where his father always keeps a loaded rifle, returned outside, and shot the, quote, thing seven times. Maybe this was 50 Cent. Maybe this is where he got (laughs) shot at. (laughs) Uh, Police later found blood and hair and the scene, but no sign of the probable Bigfoot. So... You know what? Maybe this was uh, 50 Cent. Maybe this is where he got shot. He was terrorizing Mike Lofton outside of his home. Could be. Yeah, it's it's always possible. <laughs> anytime, anytime there's gunfire, it could be 50 Cent. <laughs> so, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, you don't really hear much about Bigfoot outside of, like, the up north. I There is forest, though, areas in Arizona. Maybe, so. yeah, maybe that's, like, in the northern part of the state. Yeah, because there is higher elevation areas, like around up in like Flagstaff. So it could be. Maybe I'll have to take a trip up there and see if Mike Lofton's still living. Well, he'd be, uh, what, 40 or he'd be 51 now, I think. 51 years old. So, or no, 49 years old. That's what it is. So he's an old man. It seems like anyone who's ever had a Bigfoot sighting gets totally into Bigfoot. Like they always have statues up. In their house of Bigfoot and the big uh, plaster cast of the feet. Yeah. At least one pair in their house. <laughs> Here's what you do. After we get done recording, look this guy's name up in a phone book in uh, Crescent, Arizona. See if he still lives there. Anyway, let's uh, let's get on to Madam Bennett's prediction for the week. Now, she has a spicy one this week. She's got a awesome prediction. Uh, a large meat-eating dinosaur long thought to be extinct will be discovered in the African jungle and brought to the U.S. Didn't happen. But, you know what? Uh, I hope I hope it does, because it sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Could be the <laughs> could be maybe a reptilian. Could it be could a little be. Barry Sotero action. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe that is Barack Obama. They shipped in the United <laughs> States. But anyway, Phil, uh, I'm going to let you take the <laughs> reins from here, so you can go ahead. Then... Trained him to be the deep state president and the real president. <laughs> if he had a Miller Light in his hand, it could be him. <laughs> Miller Light in a fucking yeah. Marlboro Light. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm wondering really quick before I jump in. Yeah. There's an athlete really popular a few years ago, and I'm wondering if you ever heard of him. His name is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, I think I've heard of him. Some people, uh, he's, he's the guy who's on all them shoes people go crazy for right yep that is uh the same person <laughs> so michael jeffrey jordan was born on february 17th 1963 the youngest child of parents dolores and james jordan senior in brooklyn new york 
Now, Michael Jordan, obviously a very popular basketball player. There's also quite a few conspiracy theories that go along with them. And that's what my episode today is going to be about. About Michael Jordan and conspiracy theories. Yep. Sports and uh, conspiracy today. <sighs> I would have never guessed his middle name was Jefferson. Jeffrey. Oh, Jeffrey. Okay. Yeah. When you said his dad's name, wasn't his dad like a mean guy? No, his dad was a pretty, they, they had a really good relationship. Did they? Huh. Maybe I'm I think you're speaking of Tiger Woods' dad. Yeah, maybe that's it. He's the one everyone jokes that Tiger Woods' dad like duct tape a golf club to his hands when he was a little kid. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think I've heard that actually. So when Michael Jordan was a toddler, his family moved to Wilmington, North Carolina, where he would excel in baseball, football, and basketball. Now, when he was in uh, high school, a sophomore, he tried to make the varsity basketball team. The only problem was he was only five foot eleven, and his coach thought that he was way too short to make the varsity team. Damn, so, that guy yeah, five eleven. That guy fucked up. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he ended up playing there, obviously. But could you imagine going to a school where being told five eleven was too short to make the team? Well, I could tell you in uh, in uh, our high school, our local high school, you'd probably be like a god. Oh yeah, five eleven, you'd be a forward on the team in fucking Cresco, <laughs> Iowa. <That's laughs> and for being I, the only black person in the entire school, probably yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean. North Carolina is like a huge basketball state, so I, it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, a sophomore couldn't make the varsity team there. I didn't the know. The funny thing is, what's that? I was going to say, I didn't know he was from there or whatever, uh, but it's it's interesting that he went to the college in the same state. Yeah, he got a, uh, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, he ended up going to North Carolina and he actually got recruited by a few teams in the area. So MJ worked really hard when he was on the JV team. Uh, he ended up getting a, a, quite a few games where he got over 40 points and he became the star player. So along with that, he also grew three inches over the summer, which helped him make the varsity team in his junior year. Ah, okay. I was yeah. kind of wondering like what height he actually ended up at. Um, but still in today's NBA, that is uh, considered short, right? Yeah, um, three inches plus five eleven. He would have been six two in his junior year. I think he ended up getting to be about like maybe six six to six eight somewhere in there. Jesus, he must have went through puberty late or something. Well, I mean, some of those taller people keep growing into college. So yeah, I suppose that's true. Do you know what year he got the uh, reverse Hitler mustache? No, <laughs> I don't <laughs> remember that. Uh, uh, everybody, I'm not exactly sure. Everybody, Google uh, Michael Jordan uh, Hitler stash Hanes commercial or Fruit of the Loom commercial. It's uh it's well worth your time. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that in oh, the God. many Google searches I made in the past couple weeks. He's just so popular. He, he's the only person in the world who could still have a Hitler mustache. Yeah, I do remember he always had that like the pencil thin mustache. Yeah, he uh, but, like a Frenchman. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it's funny that he only made the team after he was like six foot two. But honestly, if you were six foot two, like you would be like the center on like most like varsity basketball teams, not like major basketball schools, but like on normal high schools. Pretty sure. Do you know what position he played when he did football? Oh, I have no idea hmm. what position he played. I know he was an outfielder. 
Mm. Well, yeah, baseball. yeah, yeah. I would assume on the football team he's probably uh, either a nose tackle or a center, right? Oh, he's way too thin for that. <laughs> I, no I know. I'm Maybe joking. a tight end. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it just, it's funny because it makes me think of my cousin who ended up becoming, he's like 6'7 now. He was, I think, 6'3, 6'4 in high school. And he never got into basketball. He was always in like jazz band and doing like all the choir stuff. And I always remember thinking like, God, the basketball coach must see him walking down the halls and just disappointed as hell well i mean at that height you kind of got to be a little athletic too yeah no it's just having a tall person like that in a small town iowa school yeah and have them not be on the team let's not disparage uh tall musicians phil because a certain adam uh that you know from bumbo podcast is a tall gentleman who will tear up uh, whatever instrument he played in band. I don't even know, but you know what? He was the best at whatever instrument he played. Tuba, maybe. Uh, Maybe he's a tuba boy. Tuba, yeah. So I'll jump right back into it. So he would eventually be recruited to play college ball at Duke, South Carolina, Syracuse, Virginia, and North Carolina, and would end up choosing to become a North Carolina Tar Heel where he would win the national championship during his freshman year, also winning the ACC freshman of the year. I mean, I assume the Tar Heels during this time are still like a, uh, I I mean, they're always like one of the best teams in the country, right? Oh yeah. They're, they've been good. They're, they've never really had a downturn since he's left. So I'm pretty sure they're just always good. Hmm. So after three years in college, Jordan left after his junior year and was drafted third overall in the 1984 NBA draft after Akeem Olajuwon, uh, who went first to the Rockets, and Sam Bowie, who went second to the Trailblazers. No, Akeem Olajuwon or whatever, he's really good, but I don't know about the second guy. So in his first stint with the Chicago Bulls, Jordan was a three-time champion, multiple all-star, three-time finals MVP, and he played for the Dream Team in 1992. Mm, yeah, he, he he was pretty good at basketball. Yeah, he was, he was, he was okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he ain't got shit on Muggsy Bogues, I'll tell you that much, but he, he was pretty good. Yeah, so <laughs> he, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of, what's the guy who, uh, he played for the Suns and he, it's terrible, it's terrible. Charles Barkley. <laughs> Charles Barkley. Yeah, he was always my favorite back then. <laughs> I really liked the Suns, though, back then. So Yeah, he's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. So after the Chicago Bulls won their third championship in as many years, MJ decided to retire from the NBA on October 6, 1993, and begin a baseball career at the age of 30 while he was in his basketball prime. Jordan signed with the Chicago White Sox and was sent down to the minor league team, the Birmingham Barons. Yeah, I've I've heard about this before. His uh I don't know if you're gonna talk about it, but like he he would manage to sell out uh like uh division whatever uh minor league games just because he was there. Oh yeah, these minor league games, they had to turn like the first time in history that these teams had to like actually turn people away from coming into their stadium. Because they're usually they would have to run promotions to get people in the door. But like Whenever Michael Jordan, would, the team would travel. Whenever Michael Jordan would come to town, that team, like that stadium would be sold out that night. And 
it was really good money for everyone like that year. I've seen a documentary on it and they talked about like the hysteria of like when Jordan would come to town and people who had never been to a game before would come just to see Michael Jordan. For some reason in my head, I just got people going into the stadium be like, can you believe that motherfucker has the audacity to have a Hitler mustache in today's age? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the documentary is called Ride the Bus. Because <laughs> okay. he, cause he, he didn't want to like take his own personal bus or like take a helicopter like to the you know town he wanted to ride the bus with the the rest of the the peasants on the you know the peasants well they like because he's this millionaire you know and he's riding on this bus with these people who are just hoping to get a shot at playing in the major leagues i mean i'm kind of wondering now like did i know at this time the nba wasn't paying the athletes nearly as much as they do now but baseball's always paid people a shitload of money. Yeah, I mean, it's gone up with inflation also. Um, but yeah, this was really when, like, he was one of the first people to get, like, the gigantic contract in basketball. So it kind of got started with, uh, like, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, I think. But he was one of the first ones to get the huge contract. Mm, yeah, makes yeah. sense. And I... And I think baseball contracts were just starting to hit like crazy levels too in the mid nineties. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. So he chalked up his retirement to losing his love for the game of basketball. And he spent the next year and a half out of the NBA returning during the 1994, 1995 season on March 18th, 1995 with a two word press release. I'm back. That was it. That was all his press release was. So he probably had just watched the Terminator. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> so uh, he originally he blamed that on losing his love of the game. Uh, he would later on blame leaving the NBA because of the loss of his father. Yeah, maybe that is what I've heard. Like his father passing away kind of drove him a little, a uh, little. I don't want to say crazy, but uh, it affected him mentally uh, pretty hard. Yeah. So, however, there is another theory as to why MJ decided to leave the game of basketball at the height of his career Uh um, and at the height of uh, the Chicago Bulls' dominance over the league. And why is that, Phil? So, like many other professional athletes, Michael Jordan not only had a love for competing, but also a love for gambling. Oh, your yeah. boy Charles Barkley liked to gamble too, I remember. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so in ni- in 1990, he's famously uh, known for gambling. So in 1993, Richard Esquinas revealed that he had won $1.25 million from Jordan, resulting from bets that were made on the golf course uh, over the course of about 10 days. So he bet on his personal golf game or like, is he betting on professional golfers? They were betting on their personal golf game against each other. This was like per hole. They were betting enough money to make it so that Jordan owed uh, Richard Esquinas $1.25 million at the end. You know what? Maybe Richard was a, uh, I've never heard of it, but maybe he was a golf hustler, like a pool hustler, pool shark. Maybe he's a golf shark. I mean, could have been. You never know. (laughs) 
So also uh, with a little bit of uh, a story about Michael Jordan's gambling in an interview with the Dan Patrick show, Charles Barkley, uh, like we were saying, also known as a bit of a gambling man, claimed that when playing golf, Barkley would usually just bet a few hundred dollars per hole, while Jordan was known to bet massive sums of money, uh, $300,000 at one point on a single hole. Jesus. Well, you know what? I mean, I can only imagine a guy like Jordan is probably like ultra competitive, right? So he, you could probably trick him into like wanting to bet for the hole just to prove that he could beat you. Yeah, but I mean, I was going to get into it a little bit later. It's kind of a bad thing to be kind of like running down this hole with Michael Jordan where he owes you money and he like, He'll pound on your hotel door like he'll he won't let you away with just beating him because he's ultra competitive and he doesn't want to stop. Like he'll just keep going and keep going until gotcha. eventually you tell him like, hey, don't fucking worry about it. Mm, you know? OK, yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. Or I guess you let him win. That's, <laughs> that's what I would do. Probably just double or nothing. We'll play one on one best of 21 and then he'll just kick your ass. Be like, oh, we're even now walk away. You know what? Uh, if you if you lose to any man with a Hitler mustache, then you brought shame to your family. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> so besides golf, MJ would bet on almost anything. And according to teammate Jay Williams, Jordan would bet hundreds of thousands of dollars on little things. Uh, basically, while they were traveling, they were bored. Uh, at one point, he talks about either betting like $20,000 or $100,000 on games of rock, paper, scissors. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he also warned people that when you get around these massively wealthy, super competitive people to just stay out of it. Cause if you are just a, uh, he was talking about other basketball players who were not mega stars, they would easily run out of money. Cause you're talking about as quick as you can play rock, paper, scissors, just $20,000 each round. You know, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of money pretty yeah. quick. I mean, yeah, that game takes even if you do like the best out of three or five or whatever, that's like two minutes. Oh, yeah. Know? So you can easily. Yeah, you can easily lose a few hundred thousand dollars in a couple minutes playing that. You know what I've came to realize is like, uh, I don't know if you've been in this predicament where people like you're trying to decide something like. Ooh, let's rock, rock, paper, scissors for it. Like, I don't know why, but I find that so annoying. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I don't want to play that game. I suppose. I'm pretty good at it, so <laughs> I'm pretty good at figuring out what people are going to do next. But you're a but, psychic necromancer, so you got an advantage. Yeah, not quite, but <laughs> I just read people. That's, all the, that's the trick. So in another odd story of uh, Michael Jordan's gambling, he was betting his dream team teammates on the way back from the Olympics that he would receive his luggage first. And he made this bet about $900 and he won it. However, he later revealed that he had bribed the airport staff to give him his baggage first so that he would win the bet. Well, that's not very nice of him. Yeah, exactly. That it's just a little bit of just how competitive he was. And it was a stupid little $900 bet, something that he could, you know, wouldn't even think about, but he still had to win it. I mean, this little side bet. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't know. That seems excessive. But I guess if you have a gambling problem, you're going to bet on stupid shit like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
So MJ's gambling had gotten so out of hand that after the Bulls' third championship, the NBA was investigating Michael Jordan's gambling problems. And this resulted from a, in part from a 1992 subpoena, which brought Michael Jordan in to testify after a suspected drug dealer was found with a personal check for $57,000 signed by Michael Jordan. Whoa. Okay. So this, this is a, is this like a validated real story? Yes. He actually had to go in and testify to why this guy had a check signed by him for $57,000. So Jordan described the payments as being for gambling debts. Hmm. That's, uh, God, that's weird. I've never heard about this. I mean, I I assume it's been swept under the rug quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, there are, so there are also some theories that even suggest that the investigation may have included betting on NBA games and some of which, uh, he may have actually played in. But there really isn't any actual proof to that, and it's been denied uh, multiple times uh, by people, including David Stern. So, well, he didn't want to be, you know, the NBA's version of Pete Rose. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, because that's what Pete Rose got taken down for, and he'll never be a Hall of Famer because of that. But you know what? Even if they would have caught Jordan doing that, I'm fairly certain he would have been a Hall of Famer still. Yeah, I don't think. I think it really would have just been swept under the rug. It would have came out by now because you can never keep that shit secret. No. But if it – that's the thing. If it would have happened by now, there would have been some big proof that came out about it. So I doubt that one. I I think, you know, also like as far as I know, the NBA is one of the uh, only like more forward-thinking uh, sports organizations like – I think in today's day, they don't even worry about players smoking weed. You know, like all the other, all, all the other sports are like, you know, are really uptight yeah. about it. But I don't think the NBA cares. Yeah, I know the NBA, like everyone was giving them shit a few years ago because they were making their players come to press conferences and games wearing suits, not just like wearing normal clothes. Like you'll see in the NFL, people will go to the press conferences just in their like after game attire, you know, like their workout shit. Well, but, some, well, to be fair, Phil, some of them come to that after uh game conference looking like a, uh, like 1970s British woman. Uh, if you've <laughs> ever seen Cam Newton or I can't remember who's the other one who always does it. They have that like weird fashion that makes them look like an old British lady. Cam Newton was wearing a lady's scarf over his hair. Yeah. I yeah. remember that one. <laughs> I, I, all I can say is I don't understand fashion. Yeah, that's weird. I just wear fucking jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wear that to everything. Hell yeah. So after Jordan's first retirement, the league ended their investigation into Michael Jordan's gambling, allowing his and the NBA's squeaky clean reputation to ma- remain intact. I mean, uh, that, I mean, it's weird that, I mean, is it weird that they would, let's say, the conspiracy part, ignore Jordan's gambling, but Charles Barkley, they would throw him out as the poster child for not gambling. Yeah, and it's weird because it sounded like they both had – it It didn't even sound like it was just those two. It sounded like it was everybody was doing it, that situation, where you became most known for it because of like the legendary stories. Like Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan – they also gambled, but they have these legendary stories behind their gambling. All the other people, they just gambled. 
Like they didn't, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, those two were probably some of the highest paid players at the, in that yeah. time period, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Barkley was, I mean, he didn't win a championship, but like he he was a big, big, big name. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, at the time, his star was just as bright as everyone else on that dream team. Um, maybe except for Jordan, who was obviously, you know larger than coming becoming larger than life at the time so wasn't barkley known to be a cokehead too i i don't know about that <laughs> i knew he had a he had quite the like a temper i don't know about cocaine mm, yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so uh ending that little part of the conspiracy so the weird thing is the owner of the bulls happened to also be the owner of the white Sox, who are the ones who signed michael jordan it's alleged that the $4 million that the Bulls were going to owe Michael Jordan to play basketball that year were paid to him. So it's not ah. like he didn't get paid for not playing that season. So there is like a theory that his uh, the owner of the Bulls and the owner of the White Sox were the same person. And by signing Michael Jordan to the White Sox, it's kind of one of those deals where he never really let him out of the stable. Gotcha. Okay. How it was all set up like that. I wonder if, like, Michael Jordan said, hey, I want to play baseball. He's like, hey, play for the White Sox. Maybe the White Sox was like a uh, a dumpster fire team at the time. I don't really know. Uh, but maybe if Jordan was on the White Sox, then maybe it would bring more fans to White Sox games, and that would make him even more richer. Yeah, I'm not. I'm a little surprised that they sent him down to Birmingham Barons. Maybe they did that to make it a little bit more legit, because you would think that the— the owner of the White Sox would be like, fuck yeah, we're going to put him on the field every night and we're going to sell out, you know, we're going to sell out every stadium that we go to. It's going to be big money for everybody. Yeah, but I think baseball has a weird like, uh, like you have to go through the trials of minor league before you play in the major, like, you know, that type of thing. So maybe oh. it's like he has to earn his way up or else all the other players will stop playing or some horse shit like that. All the old school fans will get pissy. I suppose there is a lot of tradition behind baseball, a lot more than basketball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's a good point, actually. I I didn't really think about that. I heard something really weird uh, the other day that I didn't even know existed. Like, on a baseball field, if you look from, like, where the hitter or how is – yeah, where the hitter's looking, I think it's behind the pitcher, it will always be, like, black because people used to – drape white over there so the hitter couldn't see the baseball you know what i'm saying because when he pitches and if it's a white background behind him he can't see where the baseball is coming at him oh that's a good point yeah so yeah. apparently fans used to drape like white something over there so the hitters white couldn't sheets. see the ball yeah <laughs> so they had to like block them and paint a black there yeah well, the M- the Major League Baseball has really been like trying to eliminate like fan interaction with the game, so I w- wouldn't doubt that. Have you heard about the Astros' little problems they had uh, right now with uh-uh. uh, the signal calling? Uh uh-uh. uh Hitting the trash can? No. <laughs> what the hell is that? So I've been hearing on uh, ESPN News that apparently 2017, when the Astros won the World Series, they were um, telling the batter what the pitcher was going to pitch by hitting a trash can because they would uh they were stealing the signs from the catcher to the pitcher 
So apparently now they're worried that next season, every time the Astros go up to bat in a different uh, stadium, the pitcher's going to beam them in the face. Ooh. Uh-oh. Hand them a receipt. Well, you know what? That'll happen. Didn't they think it was weird when they hired uh, the remnants of Stomp to come to every single game they're at? <laughs> when Oscar the Grouch got a fucking $30 million yeah. contract and no one knew why. <laughs> like, why is Oscar here? Why is he hitting his uh, his little garbage can in a weird sequence? Oscar, why are you such a grouch? Because these motherfuckers keep hitting my trash can. <laughs> Me and MJ got gambling to do. I don't want to be here. <laughs> uh, so the next conspiracy uh, involves the death of Michael Jordan's father. On July 23rd, 1993, Michael Jordan's father, James, headed back to his home in Charlotte after going to the funeral of a former co-worker in Wilmington, North Carolina and also visiting friends the previous day. He never made it back to Charlotte, as his body would be found draped over a tree limb in McCall, South Carolina. This was 60 miles away from where his stripped-down red Lexus, which had been bought by his all-star son, would be found. So wait, he died after attending a funeral? Yes, the day after. So he... Attended the funeral, met with some friends, and then after midnight, he started driving back to Charlotte, North Carolina. How the hell did he end up 60 miles away from his car? Well, that's kind of how the story uh, – I'm going to tell it in a few seconds here. All right. So the story goes that James had stopped to take a nap an hour into his three-hour trip back to Charlotte. And that two teenagers, Daniel Green and Larry Demery, had shot him in the chest during a botched robbery. Really? Wow, okay. So, uh, well, you're pretty big into true crime. So, for many, the story doesn't really add up. Uh, James's body was found 60 miles away from where his car um, was eventually found. And it was his body was found 11 days after the murder. Uh, when they found his body... It was immediately cremated after they identified him as a John Doe. Really? So how? So are we speculating that the kids who did the robbery stole his car? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, no, they definitely stole his car. Okay, so that's confirmed they stole his car, but they, huh? Yeah, it's it's part of how they found him. So James was found in South Carolina. His car was found in North Carolina, abandoned and stripped down. James was only identified because of the dental records were confirmed to belong to him after uh, Michael Jordan's father had been declared missing. Jesus. Okay. So. Because remember, I said he was immediately. Yeah. The autopsy was done and he was immediately cremated. This was before James was even considered missing. Well, I mean, didn't they try to uh, figure out who it was before they burned him? No, they uh, they. Apparently, they immediately cremated him because of storage issues at the uh, the crematorium. There's so. that many dead people in South Carolina. They have to. I guess it's just their policy. Maybe I'm just envisioning like two North Carolina sheriffs walking up on their horses. They put a little mirror under his nose, make not nah, Clayton. He's dead for sure. I know that. Let's get him back to the mortuary and burn him. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. 
So Daniel Green and Larry Demery were easily found because of the multiple phone calls made on the car's cell phone. Also because of a rap video that Daniel Green appeared in wearing a Chicago Bulls championship watch, as well as uh, Michael Jordan's 1986 NBA All-Star ring, which uh, both had been given to James Jordan by his son, and he had them on his person at the time of the botched robbery. Jesus, that's fucked up. How uh, yeah. how old were these two kids? They were both late teens. Uh, I think Larry Demery was maybe 18 at the time. Jesus, that's fucked up. I didn't yeah. I didn't know any of that. Like I know I had heard his father died and uh but I didn't know he was murdered by like two kids. Yeah, you would think that that would have been a huge story that I would remember, but I before like this week, I don't remember any of this. It's kind of weird. Hmm. Maybe M- Mandela effect. Could be. <laughs> so there- <laughs> another episode. So there is a theory that Michael Jordan's father was killed during a kidnapping gone wrong and not a robbery gone wrong with the attempt to recoup old gambling debts from Michael Jordan. Uh, as I mentioned before, Michael was notoriously a sore loser and was often very slow at paying back his debts. Ah, okay. Now it's coming full circle. I see what you're saying here. Yeah, I mean, so he always wanted to try to get not pay the debts. He always wanted to try to get the the bet back. I see what you're saying. I mean, anybody who's watched, uh, you know, Casino or Goodfellas knows that there's certain people in the world who don't play around with their money. Yeah, definitely. So the first call made from the vehicle cell phone was to Larry Deese, and he was a co-worker of Larry Demery and a big-time drug dealer. He was involved with the Colombian drug trafficking trade. Oh, yeah, they'll kill you for no reason. Yeah, so even though Deese was the first number called after the murder uh, from the car's cellular phone, he was never questioned in the investigation. Well, that just seems like sloppy police work. Yeah, and it goes into it a little bit later, but yeah, it was definitely a, a botch there. Um, or a potential, you know, the mishandling of it could have been from something else. Yeah. So another thing that doesn't match up is the official story and what Daniel Green claims happened when his friend Demery came basically to ask him for help. So the official story that the prosecutors use is actually all from Larry Demery. Uh, basically they had both of the boys in custody and they told Larry Demery that Daniel Green had ratted on him and that he needed to give a statement or else he was going to be the one who took the rap for it. And that's why he's the one who made the confession and they trusted his testimony over Daniel Green. I mean, that's kind of a classic trick they play, uh, during interrogation or whatever. But, uh, so is it believed that just one of them shot him or is it that both of them shot him or so green claims that Demery had told him that he had been in an altercation with a man outside of a quality inn and that the two of them drove to the motel and that the body of James Jordan was in a ditch by a convenience store near the quality inn. And that's the first time that Daniel green had ever seen James. Okay. So the other guy, Killed him, asked this guy to come help him. That's the official story. Well, no, that's not the official story. That's Green. That's what Green claimed happened. his confession. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. This is what Green claimed happened. 
So Green then claims that the two of them drove the body to South Carolina to Pea Bridge and dumped the body in the swamp. Now, as I mentioned before, the state built their case because of the testimony given by Demery. And that was that Jordan had been shot through the heart inside of the car. So Demery testified that Green and himself planned to rob a random tourist outside of the Quality Inn and saw the very expensive red Lexus. And Demery claimed that Green approached the window and had shot James while he was waking up. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Gotcha, okay. So So the plan originally for them was to just tie him up and drive the motel out to the woods and then leave him out there as they steal the vehicle. But that's how he claims it was a botched robbery. Okay, I gotcha. So wait, did you say that he... James was sleeping in the car? Yeah, the official story is that James was taking a nap, and that when the um, two boys walked up, uh, Daniel went to pull the gun on James. James started to wake up, and that's when Daniel shot him in the chest. That doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're outside of a hotel, why would you be sleeping in your car? Yeah, it doesn't make very much sense. Apparently, they're claiming that he just went to stop and, like, take a little nap. Huh. Uh, Okay. I don't know if that many people take a nap outside of a hotel, but uh, you know what? Teach their own, I guess. Yeah, so definitely um, in Daniel's case, Daniel Green's case, um, Demery's testimony was really, really crucial to him being convicted. Uh, He claimed, we both stood there and watched the man die. I asked Daniel why he did it. He just said, hurry up and let's get him moved. Okay, so that guy didn't even care that he could he possibly just killed somebody. He just wanted the money or whatever his, uh, yep. whatever he wanted to rob off of him. So, yeah, so how it's going so far is the official story goes off of Demery's testimony that Green shot James Jordan. Green's story is that he was called and then helped him dump the body but had nothing to do with the murder. Mm, okay, gotcha. So basically both yep. of them are kind of trying yeah. to blame it on the other one. Yeah, it just depends on who you want to believe, really. I, I mean, mean, maybe there's some truth in it, but. I mean, the one guy whose story is more elaborate, uh, probably, I would assume, is more involved with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he has a lot more details he's confessing, where the other guy is just like, yeah, I just came and helped him dump a body. Yeah, well, the problem with Larry Demery's uh, testimony is he keeps changing the story. Ah. He never has a consistent – it always is different. There's some times where he tells a story and he and Daniel Green walked up to the car together. There's other times where he claims that he was running away as Daniel Green walked up to the car and then shot. So okay. it's always a little different. Yeah, so. that's not a great look. Yeah, exactly. So there's also some problems when it comes to the autopsy that I mentioned happened right before the cremation. So there was a bullet wound in the upper right chest of James Jordan. The only problem was that on the shirt that he was wearing, the bullet hole was nowhere near like where it should line up for an upper right chest wound. Hmm. Do you know where the bullet hole was on the shirt? Yes. So according to the autopsy, uh, there is no hole in the shirt at that point. Directly below that location in the lower abdomen region are three holes that would line up with the hole in the chest if the shirt were pulled up approximately one foot. Huh. That's uh, really strange. Yeah, so if he was just sitting in the car, hanging out, 
and he had gotten shot while waking up, that would mean that his shirt was pulled up all the way above his stomach. I mean, you know, I'm just going to be that guy out there and be like, you know what? When you get older and you're sleeping, sometimes <laughs> your shirt just creeps up on you a little bit. <laughs> that is true. Uh, from what it sounds like, if there was – when I was – listening or when i was uh reading this three holes in the shirt would mean that they were kind of like folded over them over itself and uh, okay the folds got shot through gotcha. so it was folded up once and then that's what it got shot through kind of like if you're, that he was only shot once kind of like if you're making a snowflake fold it up you cut the holes you open it and there's a bunch of holes Yep, exactly. Okay. Yeah, good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> so this does not match up with the RN's testimony at Green's trial. Uh, this was the nurse who was on duty the night that uh, James Jordan was brought in. Uh, she claims that the bullet holes matched up with the wound and that there was burned gunpowder around the hole. And this was not at all in the autopsy report that there was burned gunpowder around the bullet hole in the shirt. Hmm. I wonder why they would exclude that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's just a matter of the nurse's testimony is different than the official autopsy report. So could the it's just one of those. It's another little weird thing that's not matching up. Could the nurse have possibly been working for the Colombian drug cartel? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who they've got in their payroll. <laughs> Here's what we got to remember, though. In all, in all honesty, like. Uh, all these people who do the investigation and stuff are human and humans make a lot of mistakes. So <laughs> that is true. So you remember before when I said Larry Deese was never asked or questioned about the phone call that was made that morning, right? Right. So Larry Deese was the biological son of the county sheriff, Sheriff Stone, and he was a friend of one of the investigators of the case. Oh, yeah. okay. Now it's getting a little fishy. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, Larry Deese, I mentioned before that he was a uh, like a big time drug dealer. He was actually one of the like bigger kingpins in the area. Uh, they go on to claim in the research that I did that Larry Deese and Sheriff Stone didn't have a relationship at all, and that Sheriff Stone would never have covered anything up for him, but. I mean, I mean, isn't it? It his is a little son? strange. It's his son, right? Yeah, it's his biological son. I mean, I I don't know. It seems, you know, as we've learned in America's history, the police officers are not. I'm not saying all of them do it, but you know, uh, some of them are not opposed to a little uh, corruption and payoffs and all that from uh, drug dealers and all that. Yeah, I mean, police are only human. So, yeah. So yeah. is that leading to believe that the cover up could have been because of a uh, gambling debt or possibly Jordan was involved in something even worse than oh. gambling? Oh, I'm getting into that right now. OK, so uh, <laughs> so this is kind of a big stretch, uh, but there is an off the wall theory into what may have actually happened that night. So the theory is that it was possibly Demery and Deese who had been involved in the altercation with James, both of which were involved with cocaine trafficking, and that it was an attempted kidnapping and ransom to get money from Michael Jordan owed to the higher-ups in the drug trade because of unpaid gambling debts. 
Okay. I mean, yeah, that is a stretch, but I mean, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. If, Especially if you think about that Jordan had wrote a check to a known drug dealer or whatever like that. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Not and not for drugs for gambling debts. So so I mean, Demery, hold on, hold on. That? one second. Would he if it was for drugs, the guy's not going to be like, this is for drugs, right? <laughs> no, you wouldn't give a drug dealer like, first of all, you wouldn't. The guy that he gave the check to was like huge in the drug trade. He wasn't like a low level guy. And if it was for drugs, you wouldn't give him a personal check with your name on it signed by you. Well, you know, if Michael Jordan's brazen enough to have a Hitler mustache, he might be brazen <laughs> enough to write a check to a drug dealer. That is true. I didn't even, I didn't, I keep forgetting the Hitler stash. <laughs> when you got a Hitler stash, you'll do pretty much anything. <laughs> you just get a free pass. Yeah. So, uh, I, like I said, it is off the wall. Demery was a drug mule in the cocaine trade under Larry Deese. Uh, Larry Deese was obviously much, much higher up in the chain, and it's claimed that after dumping the body, Deese was the first person called. Uh, okay, all right, that's a little weird. Yeah, so basically, the kind of the conspiracy is that uh, Demry and Deese actually committed the murder, and after that happened, uh, they kind of botched it, because all that they... Uh, like supposedly wanted to do was just get a ransom, just get the money back. But they murdered him. So Deese took off and had Demery call his friend Daniel Green to help him dispose the body. And then it was Daniel Green who was the one who drove the red Lexus around. This would pin the murder on Green instead of Demery and Deese. Huh, okay. Hmm. And I then just like I said, it was Demery's uh, testimony that put, well, they both went away for life. But it was his testimony that put Daniel Green away and pinned the murder on him. I mean, it was, nah, I mean, it It seems like all of this kind of conjecture, but. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Beca because even if they were going to set him up, he's still going to jail for life. So it's like, unless he thought that he could get off completely, then, you know. Yeah. I, well, I mean, the part of it that kind of is a little weird, like makes sense to me is Daniel Green was definitely the one who took the car afterwards and he's the one who basically like there was a part in it where I guess he picked up a girl and took her out on a date in the red Lexus. And he's the one who made the phone calls in the next few days that ended up getting him captured. So which one of them did the rap video? Daniel green ah. with the stolen merchandise on his, okay. uh, on his body. Yeah. So he, okay, so he made it very obvious that he had this guy's stuff. Yes. Yeah, he was driving around the Lexus and he was wearing the jewelry. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It, the The whole thing is kind of, uh, kind of strange, but uh, I guess what, what in your heart, what do you think it is? I think that it's some version of the official story. I just don't, I mean, honestly, I think the official story is correct. With the exception that it's Demery who probably shot uh, James Jordan and not Daniel Green. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's very possible. I mean, it, in the end, they're kind of both guilty of then, you know, murdering somebody in a sense. So, yeah, uh, I 
definitely came into this not knowing anything about it, but I like after like reading it all, I'm pretty sure that it's some version of the official story. That's what I would have to go with. But uh, so in Daniel Green's trial, they actually like the jury didn't sentence him to the death penalty. Um, they did not think that he was actually the trigger man because they didn't feel that Demery's testimony was actually like good. Like he was not a good witness yeah, against he, Daniel Green. Yeah, you don't want to like put someone up for the death penalty on like possible uh, hearsay or whatever. So I mean, yeah, that's a, especially that, what's that? Oh, I was gonna say that might be uh, just slightly unethical, maybe. <laughs> yeah, especially when your key witness is also trying to get off of the death penalty. Mm. So that's not a very good uh, witness to put up on the stand. No, so they both so they both just got life in prison, no death penalty. Yeah, they both got life in prison. Uh, <clears throat> Daniel Green's actually trying to fight it right now. I. From what I've seen, they were all reports from the like 2010s and 2014 was the latest one that I saw. I didn't see anything about him uh, being successful or getting it his like a retrial or anything like that. So, yeah, it uh, once with the American legal system, once you're in jail, it's uh, very hard to get out. So (laughs) I don't think he's going anywhere. Oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, it was such a high-profile case, and yeah. you just mentioned the last name, and it's done. Like, once they – the really bad thing is, I mean, killing anyone's terrible, but, I mean, killing Michael Jordan's dad is – you're done. That's – like, I hope you enjoyed driving that car around for the next few days. You know, it's – Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't if he, that. If, if, if it's true, you know. Yeah, this Which, is true. That, yeah. That's a good point. I mean – Lexus's from the 90s weren't that nice. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the time, 1992, <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was an expensive car. It pro- I mean, it probably was, but uh, man, cars were ugly. It had a in it. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, cars were <laughs> ugly back then. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask, like, so basically, um, do you do you think that Michael Jordan had this bad of a gambling debt in, like, Either of the situations? I think that he... Well, I mean, he had a bad gambling problem, obviously. And he was slow to pay off his debts. But that was more of a... He hated losing. He hated... Not that he didn't have the money to pay these debts. He would have hated having to pay, like, a little thousand dollar debt, I imagine. You know? He just hated having to concede defeat, basically. So I I think everyone who... Michael Jordan owed money to assume they would get that money back and it wouldn't be a big thing where they needed to kidnap his father. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. That one might be a search. Maybe your, your first story I think is maybe a, a little more oh, yeah. plausible, but uh, I, I, I give that one the Neil deGrasse Tyson 50, 50. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty plausible. But this last one, I don't even give it to. Do you I, know how old his dad was when he died? He, was just about to turn 57, I believe. He was still 56. Jesus, that's like the age of my dad. I couldn't even imagine him getting fucking killed and then you don't find him for how many ever day? What do you say, 11 or 12 days afterwards? That's insane. Yeah, it was a long time between the actual, like, suspected murder and when they found him, so. 
11 yeah. days. Oh, God. I, I couldn't even imagine. But uh, it's funny that, you know, someone is notorious as Charles Barkley, obviously, we know, had a insane gambling problem. Uh, and somehow, if Michael Jordan did, he's managed to, like, kind of hide it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Michael Jordan, he keeps his image really clean cut. I think, you know, like he's kind of him and LeBron kind of like the same little deal. Like they're very like their image is central, but Charles Barkley is just fucking out there. Like he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> He'll just do whatever. I know my so, favorite part about like modern day, why, yeah. modern day Barkley is like he literally will just say anything he feels like that comes to his mind. Like he'll literally insult people on the newscast or whatever sports cast. Oh, yeah. He just, he don't give a fuck. Um, I don't. I was, was going to say, you should YouTube Charles Barkley, like, YouTube clips, like, old, you know, old little things of him. They have little compilations of his, like, just not giving a fuck, just saying whatever he wants. It's pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> and this was while he was playing. You know what's funny? You brought up LeBron and Michael. You know, everyone always argues about them. Uh, but I, it seems like LeBron is kind of a nice guy, you know? But I've always yeah. heard Michael Jordan's a dick, like. He's oh yeah, kind of a dick to everybody. Like in real life, he's just a dick to everybody. Yeah, especially on the court, you see those old pictures of him like wagging his finger in a dude's face, like <laughs> another grown man having Michael Jordan's finger wagged in your face. <laughs> <laughs> or there was also times a lot of people would bitch that the referees would like give him like cut him a lot of slack or not call things on him. Any time that a referee did call something on him. He would basically like dress down that referee. And there's also video and pictures of that happening too that are pretty interesting. I mean, in most sports, when it's like the uh face of the organization or whatever, they kind of uh kind of do that. They let it go. Yeah. yeah. Football's it notorious is for if, that. If it was anyone else in the game at that time for talking to a referee that way, they would have thrown him out. But since it was Michael Jordan, the people came to see him. You got to let him play. So, Phil, is there any additional conspiracies that Michael Jordan did the uh, the Academy Academy Award winning movie Space Jam because of a gambling debt? Uh, I hadn't heard anything, but I mean, <laughs> everybody needs mo- everybody needs money, especially when you're when you're big into spending. He was, I mean, after he made more money outside of the game of basketball than he did. With the game. I mean, all of his advertisements, obviously the movie, you know, that was a huge fucking movie. Dude, like, I'm pretty sure his shoes still make like an an insane amount of money. Oh, yeah. He's the owner of, I think he's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets right now. And like Air Jordans, like that's pretty much his company. You know, it's yeah. just it's crazy. People pay a lot of money for those shoes. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're they're the same fucking, you know, leather sewn up by Vietnamese kids. I don't they're no different than fucking, you know, regular but they, Nikes. But, but they have his picture on it or whatever. That is true. what I am. <laughs> you get to be a little bit like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out your jump shot doesn't get any better. You just get a gambling addiction. It's because they got rid of the the pumps on the shoes because people are getting too good. Yeah. Just that's pump true. it up and you're an NBA star. Yeah. But I mean, that's I mean, there are some other conspiracies, but that I was going to do. But these ones were just so big. I I decided to do the whole show on them. So, no, that was fantastic. Like, uh, honestly, 
I didn't know much about his dad, you know, getting murdered in it. Uh, it really makes you wonder, you know, it's a very easy, either it's, there's more to it or it's just like a big string of coincidences that make it look fishy, you know, it, I mean, that does happen in true crime or crime sometimes, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, how the world works. But, uh, anyway, Phil, Definitely. If, if uh, anybody else has any insight on MJ uh, or maybe want to comment on his Hitler mustache, where can they do that? They can hit us up on subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we've gotten quite a few emails in the past couple weeks, so thank you for those. Uh, they can also get to us on IG at subliminaldeceptionpodcast. Uh, we've gotten some really good um, ideas. We actually just got a really good one today that I'm planning on doing in the next couple of weeks. So thanks for that. Uh, we also both have our own uh, Instagram accounts. Mine's stpodphil. I never check it and I never post anything to it. Cody, you've got a couple? Yeah, you can follow my personal uh, Instagram at Cody's above. I've been uh, kind of following people who've been following me recently. Um, and uh, I've been getting messages too, surprisingly. So uh, thank you guys for that as well. Um, if you're into true crime, say like the, uh, like Michael Jordan's dad we talked about today, you can, uh, you should check out Bumblebutt Podcast, my other podcast. Uh, I think you'd really enjoy it. Uh, otherwise, what the last thing we need you to do is to log on to iTunes, uh, leave the show a five star review, write whatever you want, write, I don't know, just write something in there, hit submit. Uh, it really helps shows out, helps us get exposure. Um, otherwise, if you are a Spotify user, which I think a lot of people are becoming, uh, just hit that follow button and then you will get updates for when, uh, when we drop a new episode, which is always fun. So, uh, otherwise, Phil, a uh, great episode this week. We got big 50 next week. So that should be Definitely. fun. That's about, uh, you know, that's roughly about a year for us. So, uh, all right, guys, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. 